Muppet Movie Podcast, brought to you by ToughPigs.com. This is the podcast where we watch the Muppet Movie two minutes at a time and talk about it a lot. I'm your host, Ryan Rowe. And I'm your other host, Anthony Strand. And joining us today is our guest. Tell the folks who you are. Hello, I'm Eric Adams, the TV editor of the AV Club. Thank you very much for being with us, Eric. Well, thanks, thanks for having me back. Yes, glad you could uh, make it back. I, I hope I hope I did well enough on my first episode that uh, that you guys uh, want me around again. <laughs> I, I think uh, I think you passed. All right, you. <laughs> I agree. And today we're talking about minutes twenty five and twenty six of the Muppet movie, in which uh, Hopper makes his pitch to Kermit once again. This time with uh, a new and improved billboard, and uh, we end these uh, minutes with Kermit and Fozzie parking the Studebaker at a seemingly quiet church. So this billboard, uh, we talked earlier um, in a, a previous minute about the, the billboard that Kermit drove past or, or rode his bike past earlier, which I questioned some of the graphic design choices. This one is a little bit better. It's, it's still... It's still. A, I, I wouldn't exactly pull over and go to Doc Hoppers if I saw this billboard, but it's it is a little bit better. I I think Kermit looks pretty handsome. Like, I feel like if I drove past this, I would think that's an appealing commercial pitchman. So, I do think that Doc Hoppers' instincts, like in wanting Kermit to do his commercials, are right on. The fact that they lovingly painted him so so much, like really amused. And I guess actually, it just occurred to me too that that Max presumably just painted Kermit's face on that that billboard right now only having seen kermit twice in person so that is pretty impressive he's got a photographic yeah. memory apparently you know we might we do, we do not learn a lot about max in this movie so sure headcanon he has photographic memory why not <laughs> yes uh, make sure you add that to the the fan and wiki or whatever that's called <laughs> that wiki where people just make stuff up yeah is, wait, is, that, is that the thing that has like 235 seasons of Frasier spinoffs? <laughs> I'm sure it does. I don't know specifically if that's there, but that sounds like something that would be there. Anyways, sorry, sorry to get off track. No, no, Let's but... talk about the movie. Yeah, so um, this uh, clip too is where we have Kermit says all he, he can uh, think of is millions of frogs on tiny crutches, which once again we see Max sort of like waffling on his loyalty to Doc Hopper when he, when he gets the image of the millions of frogs on crutches and it's a horrifying image this this is an image that has haunted me my entire life when i think of frogs legs i think about them being taken from live frogs because of the muppet oh yeah me me too total like i'm a pretty adventurous eater and i have never had any interest in trying frog legs because of this movie when you hear that line though do you picture real frogs or do you picture muppet frogs missing their legs uh, I, I picture Muppet frogs. That's a little less disturbing, I guess. I guess I picture Robin and like the frog scouts. <laughs> oh no, they're just kids. They're just little. Yeah, that's yeah. It's like lamb or it's, okay, okay. All right, too much, too much. <laughs> <laughs> um, but speaking of frogs, though, uh, 
Hopper has the line where he says, we're a small-time operation, but we're expanding, just like you frogs expand. And then he puffs out his cheeks. Kermit says, that's a myth, which, of course, the only reason that's really there is so we can get another great appearance in a, you know, the the running gag uh, with Carol Kane as her character from the El Slizo. But the thing about that... Well, perfect joke. Yeah, it is, it's a great running gag, a great callback. Uh, but the thing is, that's not a myth, because frogs do puff their, their cheeks and their necks out. So it's a great joke, but it's not biologically accurate. Hmm, you know, I've never thought about it. You're right. Um, I will say that this is my... I like this better of the two instances of that gag in this movie. Um, like, when I think of that joke, I think of Doc Hopper saying, we're a small-time operation, but we're expanding. I don't think of Telly Savalas saying you'll get worked. And I'm not sure why. Well, actually, I think I do know why that is, which is there's something about Charles Durning's delivery of that whole speech. We're a small-time operation, but we're expanding, expanding. Because it's just such a long string of statements. And he just kind of keeps going. And there's something about it that feels like Groucho Marx talking to Margaret Dumont. Am I crazy? Uh, well, I can honestly say I've never thought about it that way, but uh, that's certainly an interesting take. Um, and there's definitely, there's, there's a lot less going on in this scene as well. You know, like back at the El Slizo, there's just so much chaos going on in the background and the lines are coming so quickly that like you could really miss the first myth myth. And it's not until this part, which is a little quieter, which is a little more of an intimate scene between four characters that that joke really, really lands. Yeah, and of yeah. course, you expect yeah. to see a nicely dressed lady in a restaurant, but you don't expect to see a nicely dressed lady swinging out from behind a billboard in the middle of the desert. So <laughs> I think it's, <laughs> right. it's more effective this this time. This is the type of gag that set me up for a lifetime of expecting, you know, just various life experiences where people pop out from behind billboards. <laughs> And how many times has it happened? It's it's never happened. You know, I've never I've never been driving down a road and a uh, a police motorcycle happens to be hiding behind a billboard. Uh, a a carnivorous coyote in search of a Roadrunner dinner uh, has never <laughs> popped out uh, in front of me. I don't know. This, like that's that's one of those. I feel like kind of lost pop culture traditions uh, that. I, I like I came to know through like Looney Tunes and through old movies and, and, and through the Muppet movie that like have just sort of now become jokes in and of themselves. Uh, I, 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 I don't know where I'm going with this. But, right. Uh, but like things like, well, it's, it's one of those things where just there's a lot of stuff like that, where as a kid, you're just kind of conditioned through pop culture to expect it to be. It's a common point of reference. So it must be a common occurrence. And then you grow up, and it's not a common occurrence. Reality is Yeah, to the uh, I, I think back to the John Mulaney stand-up bit about well, right things quicksand. quicksand. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, and that's this. This is very, very much applies to the same. This very much applies to that as well. Um, I will say about Doc Hopper. First of all, there's just something about his just glee at the sign and at showing Kermit the sign. Very endearing. Yeah, he has the, the line, isn't that splendid? Just splendid. 
Yeah, that, and be, even before that, he comes out and goes, <laughs> "You got the picture, boy!" Like he's just he's so excited. Like this is—I feel like this is the happiest we ever see him in the entire movie. Is this this sequence where he's like, "This is this is the moment where he thinks his beautiful billboard is going to convince Kermit the Frog to become his commercial pitch." He thinks he has it all figured right? out. Yeah. I think that that glee and that ignorance of him thinking that this is going to be the thing that converts Kermit, like, is what manages to help Durning hang on to the sinisterness of Doc Hopper in in this moment of of, of happiness and, and joyfulness that he's expressing. It's it's this like gross carnival barter deal that that he puts <laughs> on for a few seconds that's it's it's just so funny and he just lives in this disgusting colonel sanders uh caricature it's it's so funny yeah yeah well and a- another thing that i really love is right after he does the whole um or, or, you know, after carol kane pops out kermit and fozzy both turn and look at carol kane and then kermit turns back to doc hopper and it looks like he's just about to say something. And then he just kind of goes, come on, bear, burn rubber, right? Like, I love that <laughs> moment where Kermit is just about to engage him again. And, like, you can see him decide it's not worth it. We got to get out of here. It also gives the audience a moment <laughs> I'm, to laugh. I'm, I'm scrubbing back and forth uh, on the clip right now. And that take is so good. It's, it's just long enough. Like, and... Like Ryan just said, I think uh, I think part of it is to give the audience a moment to laugh, but uh, it's it's such a great use of silence in that moment. Yeah. yeah. Do you think people ever ask Carol Kane to say yes when they come across her in public? I feel like they must. I feel like she probably gets yes, not as much as I'm not a witch, I'm your wife, but maybe like second after that. <laughs> right. From the Princess Bride. Although, I don't know, I guess now she probably gets recognized for Kimmy Schmidt. I don't know. But I feel like the Muppet movie must... I mean, it, it's, it's in her just, top five, people. definitely. But yeah, um, going back to what you said about the silence in that moment. Recently, when Matt Vogel has taken over as Kermit, um, he would read a lot of things. On, uh, uh, certainly, I read a lot of comments online of people saying, like, Steve Whitmire's Kermit was always so animated. Jim Henson's wasn't really. And this is a perfect example of that where Kermit just totally underplays this moment, right? And it's such a, I feel like when people say like now with, with Matt Vogel that he's, he's emulating Jim's Kermit by being more low key, this is the kind of thing they're talking about. Yeah, I'm looking at it now. And he holds he, the same expression for that entire take. Yeah, and Jim Henson, I mean, Jim Henson was such a master. Like we talk a lot about him as a creative genius, but just as a performer, he was so great at knowing how to react, when to do something new, when to let a moment be still. Puppeteers, he might be the most, I mean, I, I guess Zen is the word, right? But Yeah, it's acting, it's, it's puppeteering, it's all of it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Doc Hopper's pitch to Kermit does not work. Kermit and Fozzie drive away. Um, there's another brief uh, moment in the development of Max. He, uh, having taken a step forward, um, he refuses to 
to drive Hopper to follow uh, the car, but then uh, Hopper says, I'll double your percentage, and Max uh, opens the door for him and gets in the car. So he, he takes one step forward and then another step back. <laughs> well, which is a solid gag, but I always felt like I kind of wish Max's big change of heart had just come later and stuck because this joke makes him seem greedy, right? And kind of wishy-washy. Well, we did have that moment earlier where he asked about getting a reward. So uh, this, so apparently money was his uh, original motivation for, for that's spotting true. That's true. That's a good point. Yeah. And I will say also that I love the specific word choice of Max saying you're asking him to do something terrible. Eric mentioned earlier, the image of millions of frogs on tiny crutches really is horrifying, right? Like, I like that Max uses a word as strong as terrible. And he's not even a frog. It shows, like, how much he's terrible. He's not even a frog. He just has sympathy. He's just a sympathetic human being. He's the conscience of the organization. And, you know, he's the symbol symbol of innocence in this uh, little duo here. I think think that the wardrobe choice – of the hat in, in that goofy green vinyl hat versus <laughs> turning in the the straw hat like that's that just shows so much about who these people are and where they're coming from and personality they have yeah were, were vinyl hats a thing in the 70s i can't say i've seen a lot of hats like this <laughs> i don't know but it does like it is such of that era, even if, even if it wasn't like, I look, I look at that hat and the, how long the brim is over Max Pendleton's, uh, Austin Pendleton's long wavy hair and those wire rimmed glasses. And that, that just looks like the seventies to me. Yeah, that is, well, and um, one thing we should point out is I don't think we mentioned cause she's, she's not listed in the opening credits. But the costume designer for the humans in the Muppet movie was Gwen Capitanos, who we should credit with those choices, I think, in, I in collaboration yeah, think, with Jane. Don't think we mentioned her yet. No, right, because I believe she's just listed in the closing credits. Hmm. So we just went through the names that popped up on the screen at the beginning. But so a tip of the green vinyl hat to you, Gwen Capitanos. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, so the rest of this clip is pretty much just... Uh... Fozzie and Kermit, uh, they, they drive some more. They're looking at the map. They almost crash into the church, which is a really impressive uh, shot. If you think about, you know, the fact that it's puppeteers in the front and a guy crammed in the back seat actually doing the driving. And they manage to pull that off where he almost hits the church and swerves. But uh, and then, uh, yeah, then they park at the church. Right. And um, of course, outside the church, we see a sign that says, Lost? Have you tried Reverend Harry Krishna? <laughs> and that's number three for this running gag, right? That's, that's number three, and I, I believe last, right? That That's it? That's the, that's the last one? I think so. Do you think that actual Hare Krishnas thought that was funny? You know, I, I feel like they're not a monolith, so it probably varied. But, um, you know, I, I would think some do. I mean, I, I feel like it's not insulting. I feel like Characters in a movie repeatedly saying, have you tried Harry Krishna? Slam on them. No, not at all. It's just a joke. So, yeah, I'd like to think they appreciated it. 
It's it's certainly less insulting than any of the Hare Krishna jokes in Airplane. Right. Yes, I would say or, so. Or in another episode, the Hare Krishna joke in Stripes, right? Where Bill Murray and Harold Ramis make fun of John Candy for getting his head shaved. Oh, right. Dance yeah. around sing, singing Harry Krishna. Yeah. Um, so one other thing um, I had from the June 12th, 1978 draft of the script, which we have been referring to occasionally, there was another little scene um, after the billboard encounter where Kermit and Fozzie sang another verse of Moving Right Along. And then uh, they rehearse a joke for their act, which is, what did the porcupine say to the platypus? And Kermit says, I don't know. What did the porcupine say to the platypus? Fozzie says, somebody's following us. And Kermit says, that's not funny. And Fozzie says, right, it's Hopper. Which is kind of like the motorcycle cop joke later. <laughs> right, but, the, but much better later. Yeah, exactly. So, If nothing else, because of the use of the term sweet nothing, right? But yeah. we can talk about that later. Yeah. Uh, and then it was going to cut to a shot of Hopper's car driving and it was going to, so it says meanwhile on the screen and as Hopper's car gets closer, the car actually crashes into the words meanwhile that are on the screen (laughs) and and drives into a ditch. Oh, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, that would have been funny. Um, I guess it's okay that they cut this one. There aren't very many of the, these cut uh, moments from the script that, that seem like big losses, but it would have been fun. Yeah. Would have been expensive. Yeah, I mean, that might be why they, they cut it. To, right. They would have had to build the words meanwhile, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> look, it was either that or the giant pie. There, was, there wasn't room in the, <laughs> in the budget for both of them. I think they made the right choice. I, like, here's the thing. You, me, and Aunt Amy all agree that they made the right choice. <laughs> That's, so it's unanimous. So, if, so the script says there's another verse of moving right along in there. Uh, is that lost verse in the script? Uh, not in the excerpts that I have. I don't know if maybe they were just going to split the song up a different way. I don't know how far they got with this version of it. My guess is that the songs probably weren't finished yet at that point. That's a good guess, yeah. Although we do have a little vestige of that in the, in the finished movie where the instrumental for Moving Right Along does start back up when they drive away. Yeah, you hear the banjo and everything start up again, so sort of revisiting the song. Right, because they're back on the road. They're moving right along again. Exactly. <laughs> uh, all right, anything else for minutes 25 and 26 specifically? Um, yeah, we mentioned, I teased this last episode, but in these minutes we find out where Fozzie learned to drive, which is he took a correspondence course. Oh, yes. <laughs> that is a fantastic joke because... Fozzie's delivery is so matter of fact. Right. Oh, yeah. It's just, he says it like that's just the way that you learn how to drive. And I was thinking about this. If this movie was from 2017 or 2007 or 1997 or whatever, and Fozzie said he learned to drive online, he nearly as funny to me. Like, I feel like that would be the modern version of this joke, right? But to me, there's just something so good about picturing Fozzie fail box. For his biggest <laughs> driving instructions to come. Yeah, you know, normally when you sort of explain a joke or, or expand on it, it doesn't make it better. But I just pictured Fozzie actually, like, 
getting his mail with his driving lessons for the first time, and that just made the joke better for me. <laughs> right, exactly. Like it, it paints this little story of Fozzie just being so happy that he learned <laughs> how to drive. Yes. Mr. Baker, he, like, he needed to learn. Yeah, totally. Uh, so then on a more general note, um, Eric, what is your experience with this movie? Did you, do you remember the first time you saw it? How do you rank it among the, uh, the Muppet movies? Gosh, that's, that's hard to say when the first time I saw it. I, was, I had to have been very, very young on VHS, on the, uh, the CBS Fox version. I can, I can remember being terrified by the TriStar uh, Pegasus. Oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, that, you know, this, this, this is a common internet story at, at this point, but uh, vanity cards, all sorts of production company logos, for whatever reason, they're horrifying. They're <laughs> Many loud, of them are. They are jarring, and, and that one really spooked me. The one that got me was the... The FHE logo, Family Home Entertainment, where it would spell out the letters FHE with this like sort of loud droning sound effect. I don't know if I know that one. Oh yeah, you should seek that. it out. Yeah, that one. I don't know if it if it scared me so much as just unnerved me. But yeah, so it was uh, it, it was it was a family favorite, uh, and I've continued to revisit it as as I've grown older. I've, I I feel like I've grown a greater appreciation for it as time has gone on. Because I was always much more a fan of the TV show. I didn't really revisit the movies all that much when I was a kid. But this this one and The Great Muppet Caper, which I think is... I personally think The Great Muppet Caper is is number one in terms of the, the first three movies. I agree uh, but this that. one is... This one is, is so good. It's, it's so solid. It's such a great articulation of one thing that the Muppets do really good, which is just these sort of wall-to-wall jokes and and gags and doing doing anything that could possibly seem funny marx brothers in that mel brooks kind of tradition and uh you know i it had been a long long time since i'd seen it and i was in like my early 20s i was living in austin texas and they were showing it at uh, the alamo draft house and I just kind of on a whim went with a friend to see that screening and I was kind of blown away at how funny it still was. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's cool. so it, it was I, I at, love that story. Yeah. At the draft house. So did they give away, was it like a special screening? Did they give away any kind of props or anything? No, it was uh, it was just sort of like a, it was a matinee. Uh, they, they tend to do during the summer times when school's out, they'll do like all ages during the days i think i think this was like a memorial day weekend or something so we had we had the monday off and we just uh in the muppet movie and uh and i think i've i've gone back to it three or four times since i'm sitting here in my home office and i'm my blu-ray and dvd shelf and uh, i'm seeing my muppet movie blu-ray staring right back at me yeah <laughs> that's great yeah i love that so, all right. Uh, any other final thoughts from either of you? I am looking forward to finding out what happens at this church. Yeah, what do you think is going on in that church? We'll have to wait until next week to find out. <laughs> and uh, so we do hope that everyone joins us next week. And in the meantime, you can check out toughpigs.com. We have a website. We're on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, various other things. 
Our theme music is by Stacy Rosen. Our logo is by Morgan Davy. You can uh, find me on Twitter at me Ryan Rowe. You can find Anthony on Twitter at Zeppo Marxist. We've we've mentioned the Marx Brothers a couple times in this uh, episode, I think, and now there's another another reference for you at Zeppo Marxist. It's the rule of threes. Yes. <laughs> and uh, Eric, where can everyone find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me. Uh, at the AV Club, uh, that's avclub.com. And on Twitter, you can follow me at Eric M. Adams. Very good. And we do hope that everyone, uh, if you're so inclined, give us a positive review, five stars on iTunes. If you're not inclined, just forget about it. Uh, but tell all your friends about the show, everyone who has any inkling of an interest in Muppets. And join us again next week for another episode of Moving Right Along. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Bye.